Audi. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, you know those photos you see online of fascinating abandoned places? Aeroplane, graveyards, deserted fairgrounds, overgrown with weeds, space shuttles in the middle of desert hangars. Well, my guest today is a Polish man with a British passport who's living in Beijing in China. And he's an explorer of abandoned places. And you are just going to love him. He calls himself Greg Abandoned, and no, he won't tell me his real name. And his incredible photos and videos have given him a huge online following. And he's with us today to tell us some incredible stories. And if you think he's crazy, just wait until you find out what he does for a day job. You're listening to The Big Travel Podcast. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand, and today's guest is Greg Abandoned. On top of a building in Chernobyl overlooking the destruction and devastation, Greg Abandoned made a life-changing decision. From that moment, he would dedicate his life to exploring abandoned places. He's been shot at in Bulgaria, risked his life to trek to a Soviet-era abandoned space shuttle in Kazakhstan, explored countless deserted amusement parks in China, and as a result has some of the most jaw-dropping Instagram and YouTube footage out there. Greg Abandoned is on the big travel podcast. I've been looking at some of your photos and it just looks like they look incredible and it looks like the most amazing, curious, quirky, weird and wonderful lifestyle. I wanted to start by asking you how you got into it. However, before that, tell me about about the book you've got coming out. Oh, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so uh, Abandoned China book, like, out this month. <laughs> my, my, my publisher assures me it is this month. We've been, like, working uh, around the clock on the cover. Um, yeah, so uh, Ch- Abandoned China book is essentially, um, I was thinking to myself of coming to China, and um, lately I've been thinking about what would happen if I leave. Uh, have I achieved anything here? And one thing that I could, like, quantify it would be to like learn the language, which I essentially failed to do so because I'm so busy. And I was thinking if I could have something that I can later on say, like I spent this time in China and I wanted to show, okay, I've achieved something. And I think that's where the idea for this book came about. When I started doing it, I realized that you really would have to go to the gym to re- to pick up this book so essentially i had to divide the book into three volumes 
I call the chapters, they, they are very topical. So like, for example, in my, in the first book, you have uh, abandoned power plants, abandoned factories, abandoned trains, planes, ships. So I, I divided them into different topical chapters. And essentially the book is not like almost all the photo books out there, is not purely about pictures. So uh, pictures are accompany the, the 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 stories so i describe either the stories what happened to me when i went exploring those places or if it was easy then i just try to find as much as i can about the place to give you some sort of context of like why is this place abandoned because usually that's what people want to know first they want to know where which i cannot say because that's part of the rules. I just, I just got this frustrates everyone. This one, I even lost friends because of that. And second is because, not because, but I, I, at least people want to know, like, why, why, what, what happened? Why is this place abandoned? So the so book is called Abandoned China, and where can we get it? Yeah, that's a really tricky question because my publisher just asked me that question, like, <laughs> make sure that this podcast comes out after it's already out. Well, we can it get is, it online. We can get it online. <laughs> it will be. It will be on Amazon. It will be on Amazon, and I'm I'm I'm, sh I'm sure it will be in March. So, yeah. I hope Wonderful. so. Wonderful. Really so, so let yeah. me let me then start. I'm definitely getting a copy. It sounds fantastic. And your Instagram account looks amazing. The images just look so curious. A lot of us, are, a lot of people are fascinated by these abandoned places, mm. photographs. So how did you get into this for a start? Uh, I got divorced. <laughs> how did your divorce leave to, lead to, uh, did you feel abandoned? Oh, hang on. I'm feeling like your therapist now. So you felt a little bit abandoned and you wanted to find abandoned places to, to fill your heart. Is that right? <laughs> no, I wish. I wish. However, I must say that uh, having my own podcast and, and, and uh, you, maybe you, you can relate to this, having a podcast and talking to passionate people, it's almost like a form of therapy, wouldn't you say? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. It keeps me sane. Sometimes we cry on my podcast. You can feel free to make me cry if you like. But, uh, 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 have you cried on your podcast yet? Um, I have. I have once. However, the my guest uh, decided not to air the um, episode because he described basically how he lost his girlfriend exploring. He she died. Um, and he blames himself, and and I'm not an asshole. I'm not just gonna release it because he asked me to do it. I I I respect that. So maybe one day he'll be ready for that. So um, I think uh, there's certain certainly some people can relate to this. I felt like I was slowly falling asleep with my life. I would do the regular things, you know. You I I got into relationship when I was very young, and you were just kind of ticking off the live boxes you know getting a job i i moved from poland to uk when i was 18 it was my dream to go to the football match basically that's why i decided to go to uk and then no no really i just wanted to go to study in uk and then i stayed essentially i tried to like establish myself in in, in england and find a job and buy a house and do all of those stuffs and i just felt like um nothing really was going on with with my life and um sometimes in your life it, it takes like a one big event to to change something 
But I feel like I was really lucky in a way. I always feel like I have this guardian angel on my shoulders that sometimes people enter my life for a reason. And I have to tell you about this guy, Andy, that lived um, next to me. He was my neighbor. I met this guy around the time when I was getting divorced. And when I met him, um, we quickly like added each other on Facebook and but the first thing I've noticed is that he, the like the pictures and the way he looked on, on on Facebook, that was completely different person than I saw in real life. On Facebook, this guy was like handsome. This was this guy was really handsome. And in front of me, it was a wreck of a man. I was like, Andy, what happened to you? You know, like what what happened there? So he told me that when he got divorced, he turned into drinking weed feeling sorry for himself and and all of that and I must say this motivated me in the way that I decided I am not gonna be this guy I I cannot turn this way and at the same time I and this is gonna sound super nerdy what I call it in my previous life I would sometimes you know play like games on Xbox that kind of stuff and I used to play this video game called Fallout 3 and this is, oh my God, this is, I feel like such a nerd talking about this. <laughs> but essentially, essentially in this video game, you kind of um, exist in this post-apocalyptic world where there's societies, there's no governments, no rules, and you just scavenge. I always had this like a weird attraction to this utopia, to this abandoned, uh, um, you know, books like uh, The Road by Cormac McCarthy or Book of Eli, the movie or Mad Max movies. Something always like resonated with me, with with this stuff. And I met a guy uh, at work. This guy joined my my workplace, and he was an IT technician. And he had this poster of this game on on his in his office, and we instantly clicked. And I told him, you know what? I always dreamed to go to Chernobyl, and he was like holy shit, this was my dream too. So all of a sudden, there's two idiots nerds that decided wow we found each other <laughs> wow and let's go to Chernobyl and then so we just went to Chernobyl and I must say to you this has changed my life so my first exploration was just being kind of like a tourist in Chernobyl I was my second day I'm standing on top of the one of the buildings looking at the Pripyat the abandoned town uh, overtaken by nature absolutely insane beautiful I'm standing on top of that building and I just had that feeling I cannot do anything else. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to just find places like this. I felt every single minute, Lisa, honestly, every single minute I felt like a child opening a Christmas present. People were saying to me, like, Greg, Greg, like, can you just hurry up? Like, because we always wait for you, always the last one to leave the building. But at the same time, we cannot, like, we cannot be angry with you because we can see you such a smile on your face every time you come out. And there's just something about that place, the sense of history and all those abandoned buildings, the whole town, 50,000 people had to leave. It just totally mesmerizes me. And I, yeah, I was never the same. And ever since then... I stop being the person who looks at stuff on Instagram or online 
and I go and, and, do, and do it. You wanted to change your life. You were like, this is what I want to do. I want to find these abandoned, unexplored places and become an abandoned places explorer. How did you set about that? What was your first, what was your first step towards that? After Chernobyl, I just wanted to find another place that, that would make me feel this way. So I, I just I went online and I started looking at places. And there are a bunch of places online that you can find that are a bit more like in, in our community, it's called Urbex. There's a lot of places that are well known that you can you can do. I remember my brother sending me a link to a, a place in Bulgaria on top of the mountain with a building, post-communist um, headquarters in Bulgaria that looks like a UFO building. And it was abandoned in the middle of nowhere on top of the mountains. It's, it's called Buzluja Monument. And this place is insane. It looks absolutely insane. So all of a sudden finding it, it was pretty straightforward. And then it was just buying a flight ticket to Bulgaria and, <laughs> and just going there. And uh, yeah. And what did, your, what did your family think? What did your ex-wife think at this point? <laughs> well... I would say that uh, my my ex-wife and, and I, we, we're not really in contact. So uh, I don't really think what she thinks. I don't. Who cares what doesn't. she thinks? Exactly. Oh, uh, and my what about brother, your family? My, yes, I have, let's say, I have a very tricky situation with my family. Uh, we're not technically that close. Um, I'm close with my brother. My my brother, uh, I took him exploring to in, in Europe. We explored France and Germany, and he loved it. Uh, I mean, pretty much everyone who goes with me, they love it because the adrenaline and and it's just so unique and different to your regular life. Yeah, he thinks I'm crazy. Basically, you can't yeah. tell me. You said you can't tell me where specific things are because it's a big, it's a secret. You want other people to go and do their own research, but from Bulgaria. Where else have you been? Where has this taken to you to? You're sitting in China right now. Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I've been pretty much uh, all over Europe. Um, I think almost every country. Uh, I've been to Kazakhstan. I've been to um, Asia. It's yeah. a big place, Asia. I like your non-specific. I've been to Asia as well, you know, <laughs> several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just some countries. Very non-specific. In Asia. Yeah. I have, I, I have not been, I have not been exploring America. America has, um, uh, there's so many explorers in America, and I felt like this is not really the place that I want to go. I want to leave it to them. I really like to go to places where other explorers they don't want to go because. I have to say that with the with how Instagram became very popular, this hobby just blew up, and it became super popular. And there's there's a lot of explorers now, a lot of urbex people, and I think that's a big reason why I'm trying to promote the good values. Because unfortunately, you know, there are some people who do things not in a great way. You know, uh, people. Sometimes it is really difficult for people to give up on a place if they travel very long time and everything is locked. And I say to them, you know, like whatever you do, you cannot, absolutely cannot uh, break the law and you cannot damage the property. We operate 
a bit, it's a bit of a shaded area because it depends on the country. For example, in China, there are no trespassing laws. So anything I do here is not illegal. However, if you do this, the same thing in America, it's a very different story. In UK, I have been caught by the police um, trying to go to uh, old people's home that was abandoned. You know, so you, you operate in those kind of shady shady areas. I think that's why it is important to... Um, maybe not rules, but have some sort of guidelines. I say to people, even pirates had a code. And I feel like we also need to be following certain guidelines. And I think it's important. So I'm really fascinated by the idea that in China, they don't have any trespassing laws when seriously, they have many other restrictions on the, the, the people of China, but there's no trespassing laws. What's that about? I would, I would say that I'm going to surprise you even more. If I go to abandoned place and I take something from it, which is stealing, right? And this thing that I steal is, is less than around 50 pounds is still not illegal. Which is must be very like, very know. difficult to quantify what you might take because looking at your incredible pictures online, you know you're visiting know. abandoned uh, airplanes in the middle of overgrown locations, cars, um, old people's homes. I've seen you sitting in a wheelchair. I'm guessing that was the old people's home. Um, all these incredible places. How can they value? I mean, how will they find out? There's so many ways around that. But you're kind of breaking and entering in some places in a grey area. What uh, what has been um, you're going to defend so yourself I want, now. I want to be a little bit specific about the terminology here because... Okay, okay go on. When, Just when in case you, they're listening. You, they're always listening. Yeah, when, <laughs> yeah when, you say, when you say breaking, it suggests actually physically breaking something, which I, that's not happening. You're I, entering without breaking. If, well, people who know me, they, they would say that I will always find a way in because I, I really believe there's always way in to find. It's just what kind of effort are you willing to take? You know, there might be a window open on the third floor, but like, are you willing to take that risk and climb there? I would not break stuff. Uh, definitely not. And I walked away from, from places. I would travel for a day to a place. I would do uh, thousands of miles to get to a place and I couldn't get inside and I had to walk away and it feels horrible, but it's just like, it's just part of the, part of the experience. You have to experience this because otherwise, what, what am I going to do? Um, go with a crowbar. I would find out that sometimes my guests on my podcast later on, when I find out that they use a crowbar or they uh, drill the lock using a, a electrical drill, I would remove the episode from my, because I cannot be saying those things to everyone. And at the same time, let those people be on my podcast. We really have to do it right. Because there's too many people uh, that would go to those places, set up fires, have parties and just ruin it. And just because it's abandoned, it doesn't mean that someone else, someone doesn't own it. There's probably an owner somewhere who is just cannot afford to maintain this place. So it doesn't give you a right to do absolutely whatever you want just because the place is abandoned. What's been your trickiest entry? Oh, wow. Um, okay, I think um, when, I mentioned the, <laughs> when I mentioned the place in Bulgaria, uh, this I felt like this was a little bit of like I felt like this is a Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise <laughs> kind of situation <laughs> because... 
um, so there is this there is this monument. It looks like a UFO, UFO building, and um, it's in the middle of nowhere. And there's a security booth right outside, and is the loneliest person on earth sits in that security booth. And he would come out of his booth, goes around the building, and just patrol it. Now, when I arrived there, it was really, really cold and really, really windy. And I think that worked just wonders for me. So I knew that uh, from some explorers that told me, uh, someone might have created some sort of hole in the ground that you can crawl through and you can jump into the basement. So what I should do is I should go around the building and try to look for any sort of a metal structure that would cover that hole. So little did I know that metal structure was like two meters next to the security booth. And I was like, um, that's not happening. <laughs> this is just simply not happening. I we're not going to be able to do it. So then I, I started thinking to myself, oh my God, the worst feeling is when you are in front of this magical building and you just take pictures from outside and you wonder like, how, what is this going to look like inside? It's just like, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> so I walk around this building and I see a bunch of uh, stones it, it, because you see, when you walk around abandoned place, you look for things that are unusual, out of place. And those are usually the places how you can get inside. So I look at those, those stones and, and clearly there is a hole in the ground behind this building and someone just covered with stones. So I was like, yes, right. So perfect. This is it. So what we did, it was... Uh, I just, uh, I just, I can't, mm, this is beautiful. So we set, we set up a tripod on the edge of the building in perfect view of the security guard. And bear in mind, it's just us there and the man and the wind. So we set up this at the edge. My friend would talk to the tripod because I wasn't there. I was behind the building, making my way inside the building. So he would be outside constantly talking to me like I'm there pretending I'm taking pictures. So in case the security man comes out of the booth, he sees him and then he's, he will probably be like, oh, they're still here. And he walks back because it was really, really cold. Meanwhile, I am inside this, this like hole. And once I dropped, I was underground. In front of me, someone smashed the wall. And through that, I put my flashlight and there's a four-meter drop to the basement. Now, yeah, so, okay. So I jumped, I damaged my foot, but I only realized that after when we were in the car because the adrenaline has magical mm. powers. So I would jump there and then I had to crawl uh, through a hole in the ground in that basement uh, because someone like someone made a hole in the door so I had to like get on the and just like, get myself completely dirty and everything but I don't care about that stuff so I managed to get through the basement to the main building and this was insanely beautiful place it had the communist hammer and sickle at the top of the ceiling and it has a mosaic all around the building with those um communist brutalist type of 
symbolism and propaganda kind of stuff. And uh, it was just insane. I only spent 15 minutes in there because I was anxious that we're going to get caught. Um, I took my pictures and then I went back, put the... Oh, actually, to go back, I had to collect pieces of wood and lean them against the wall. So when I when I run, I would jump off the wooden plank and uh, attach myself to the like a metal spike that was uh, sticking from the from the wall and i would manage to climb back from this from this basement and through this hole and up to the surface put the stones back went around wave goodbye to the security man <laughs> get into my car and then realize oh my god why is my foot hurting <laughs> so much <laughs> Because when that adrenaline went down, um, that's where I realized I, I damaged my foot. So, but you are putting yourself in a, a quite a dangerous situation. I mean, in some countries, security guards are going to have guns. In and also, you're digging a hole in the ground. You know, you could get buried. Anything could happen. You know, have you ever felt in danger on your explorations? Yeah, like we were shot at in Bulgaria with another explorer, <laughs> Evgeny. We we were yeah yeah we. Well, that's we, not we, good. So, what happened there? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, anything uh, serious because it just happened super. I mean, it could have, maybe, maybe it could have. But could have been serious. Happened, yeah, it happened so fast. Uh, there was this um, Bulgaria in central of Sofia. There was this one building that looked like an open book that was never finished. It's now demolished, and we were just trying to get in there, and they use the ground as a parking lot so we basically just climbed the fence from the other side and then someone spotted us and uh we just started to run <laughs> because it's sometimes you have to do that uh, yeah. so and then we heard like uh, gunshots which i i don't think that it was directed and at us because he might he might probably shooting the air because otherwise that person is insane and I wasn't looking back because I was at the time I was just running. So this is the one. This is the one that like uh, it's it's really. I sometimes question myself uh, <laughs> if, um, if uh, there is this there's this explorer uh, called Bob Tyson, and when I interview him, uh, he was kind of my inspiration when I started this. And he said I would rather have um, short and exciting life than a long and boring one. Um, now. I look. I, I'm trying to be safe, and I'm trying to like take any precautions with that. So I am not uh, maybe as crazy as Bob, um, but sometimes uh, I've learned that in your life you just need to take risks, and mm -hmm. I do not let fear drive my decisions. That's I'm very. Uh, that's super important to me. Uh, when I'm when I'm afraid of something, I this is exactly why I need to do it, because I'm afraid. So, okay, moving on to <laughs> to the space shot to the space shuttles. Okay, so in the exploring world, in the urbex world, there are certain places that we like to call the holy grails of urbex. And uh, there is a Hashima Island when they uh, filmed the James Bond movie. There's a it looks like Battlefield Island in Japan. That's uh, all abandoned. There is obviously the um, nuclear, the the disaster place like Fukushima or Chernobyl. There is a place uh, um, in Cyprus, Famagusta, a city of Famagusta that Turkey Turkish side uh, took that um, 
uh, after they invaded uh, Cyprus. And there are many, many other different places that we all know, every explorer would know and would love to do it. However, there is one place that's when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply is pretty much you ask anyone everyone will know about this everyone wants to do it but not everyone is willing to like take the risk of doing it so when russia was not called russia it was soviet union um and during the cold war uh, they would there was obviously a big race to send a man to space uh with america and at that time, Russia had their own space program and they built uh, their own military uh, base where they would send uh, rockets to space. It call, it's called Baikonur Cosmodrome and it's now in Kazakhstan because after the fall of Soviet Union, that land became Kazakhstan. So what Russians do nowadays is they, they basically lease the land from from Kazakhstan. So, but te technically it is their land. So if you want to visit the city of Baikonur, you actually do need to have a Russian visa to, to enter. Now, Russians built their own space shuttle. It was called Buran, which means blizzard. And it was a response to the NASA space shuttle. And to be honest, Russians actually for the, I, I, I really, it's hard to comprehend, but they improved it. Uh, and they managed to send this space sh shuttle to space and it actually orbited the Earth once and it was remotely controlled, unmanned, and they managed to land it as well. So the, the engineering feat behind this achievement is insane. Now, after the fall of Soviet Union, the financing for the space program uh, drastically decreased. So this whole program, uh, Buran program, has been abandoned. And now at the, age, at the edge of the Baikonur Cosmodrome, uh, in the middle of the desert, there is a hangar, huge hangar, with two abandoned space shuttles sitting there for over 30 years. And I went there. <laughs> and um, you had to, right? I mean, I mean, when even before I got divorced, I came across this article online about uh, this this Dutch guy and this this Danish guy who just trekked through desert and went in in the in the middle of the night and they filmed this and they took pictures and there was this article and i just i just couldn't believe it there's something about space that taps into my childhood just completely mesmerizes me and i just could not comprehend that this is possible that there's something like space shuttle can be sitting abandoned and rusting away it's just mind-boggling funny enough uh, those guys 
they are my friends right now. That's that's another thing that's like super insane. <laughs> yeah, so Bob Thyssen, I mentioned before, uh, is an explorer from Holland. And Jan Elhoy, who is a TV personality in, in Denmark, well known in, in Denmark, they are also urban explorers. Because the funny thing about urban explorers is that, you know, you can be just a regular person in your day job and then be like this crazy person over the weekend my friend for example i have a friend zoe who is the biggest nerd i can think of he's she's a programmer she sits in front of the computer uh, from from eight to five on monday to friday but on the weekend she is a fearless zoe i call her fearless zoe she just goes to abandoned places climbs uh fences climbs buildings she does crazy so So anyway you get to the mm, you get to the shuttle you get to the shuttle you get there yes sorry sorry so um overall i did 80 kilometers hike through the desert Uh, it's not like a desert is not what you think about like a sahara desert with a sand it's more of a steps the kazakhstani steps it has a lot of ditches so and it's very dangerous and it's filled with shit. I have never <laughs> seen so much camel and horse shit in my life. That's oh, you mean actual know. shit, not just shit shit, but actual yeah. literal yeah, yeah. shit. Poo. poo, yes, yes. Yeah, like, yeah. Everywhere. So you've, everywhere. You've trekked eighty kilometers over difficult terrain amongst a load mm. of shit. I love it. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it was j- journey through hell and horse shit. That's how I call it. And <laughs> Um, so to to prepare for this trip, I would. It took a year. I, I I would interview a lot of Russian explorers that have done this to find all their intel about how to do it, where to go, what, what to do it, how to do it, plan it. And last three months, I would every Friday night, I would pack my bag, and at eight p.m. I would just go to the city and walk all night. And sometimes my friends would join me at the beginning of the of the evening and then they would go and go to sleep. I would walk all night because it's not the hike, it's the bag that kills you because I was there two days, you have to pack your food, you have to pack the water, the water is the most important. And obviously all the gears, gear and everything, cameras, all that stuff. So um, the distribution of the weight in your back is very important. And yeah, so I, um, I hiked through the desert and we got there in the, at night. And um, I tried to minimize the risk as much as I could. So I decided that I will only move at night because there's one thing I forgot to mention. There is another hunger that's a little bit taller. And that's where there is a space rocket in that hangar because the the Buran shuttle would be attached to the rocket and both of those would go to space. So there is this um, prototype rocket that is still there about kilometers away from the Buran hangar. So you can, like when you decide to do this, you 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 just cannot go to one. You have to go to the other as well. Like you have to visit the rocket as well. So I decided the only way I would move is I would go to the first place, spend all night there and all day, explore, take pictures, take videos, and only next night I would move to the other hangar and then wait all day there, and then at night, second day, I would then go back. 
And I, I must say, this took absolutely everything. And yes, I was crying when I woke up and I saw those. Um, it, it, it was insane. I, was, I managed to sit at the seat where the astronaut would sit. I climbed through the window at the top. And it was the biggest achievement in my life and the craziest thing, the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. I don't think I can... I, I can do anything like that ever That's again. That's just insane How well- that you're sitting there in the seat of a Rus- Russian or a Soviet space shuttle. Did you? Was it difficult to get in the building into the hangar? Oh, so actually, the uh, because it's obviously very remote, and they don't really maintain this building. They they would frequently come in and try to close everything. I on my podcast I interview people who've done it, and I, I my, my friend Nick from Denmark. He I was actually trapped inside. When he went in, this, the um, a man with a Kalashnikov came inside. A soldier waited for three hours because you can hear absolutely anything in there, anything and everything you can hear it in there. So he stayed there for three hours. And then he left and then the workers came in and they sealed the window that he went through. So he actually got trapped inside and he had to find his like a new way out from from the basement. I was actually super lucky when I was there. And really, after talking to so many explorers, I, I, sometimes you just need to be lucky. The, the window was broken when I went there. We, we, I, I climbed through that. No one came in. We saw the security and jeeps outside. So I always felt like they are looking for some, for some people. They just were looking for people to see if there's some movement outside. And if they see it, that's where they walk in and try to get you. But that's not true. It just really depends on the day. I what do you think they do if they caught you? Okay, so funny thing. The first thing they issue you have a Russian visa. That's the first thing they do because like you are on the <laughs> Russian territory without the proper documentations. And you know, like the bureaucracy is very important in that part of the world. So that's what they do. Uh, and then they, uh, they, they interrogate you for, for ages and they see if you are a spy or not. I, actually, uh, what I have to tell you is um, I was there with another person. Uh, two of us went in, but I was the only one who came out. And that's, that's a story, that's a story for maybe another day because that's really, really long. But yeah, he... No, um, no, you can't, you just summarize it. You can't, you can't leave it. What happened? No, you don't like the tease, no? Uh, Okay, so, no, he... Is he alive? um, Yes, yes, he, he is alive, but he essentially damaged his leg. The hike destroyed him. He was not prepared for this. I was supposed to go with another explorer and then this guy just found me three days before. And there's another explorer who canceled me and I was determined, I was like, I'm going, I'm going. I was supposed to go there with someone. Now I'm going by myself. But I, 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 like I trained for this now. I I planned this for one year. I'm not just going to give up. So I decided to go. And then all of, out of no, out of the blue, someone said, oh, I've heard that you were planning to do this. And essentially, I went with the other guy who decided to to just come for the for the ride. I very quickly realized that you you do really need to explore with people that you know. That's really important. You shouldn't do this with some random guy from Oklahoma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some random guy from Oklahoma. <laughs> 
Yeah. So the random Honestly. guy from Oklahoma didn't come out the hangar. What happened to him? Did he come out eventually or is he still in there now? He, he deliberately wanted to get caught because he physically couldn't move. He f- just couldn't move. But he ignored absolutely everything I said to him. I said to him, uh, look at your lens. Your lens is like five kilograms. Compromise. This is not something you're going to do twice in your life. You, the hunger is so huge. You don't need standard lens is fine. Tripod. Why do you need a tripod? It's another five kilograms. But sleeping bag? He doesn't need that. Sleeping mat? He doesn't need that. And then he wakes up in the middle of the night on the concrete floor, weeping, literally weeping. And then he, and, and, the, and I just, I don't, I really don't want to, like, I don't want to really uh, come across as I'm complaining about this guy, but it's really, it's really important to, when you decide to do something like this, you should really do it with someone you know, because you really find out who this person is. Doing things like this, doing extreme things, you very quickly, you find out about this other person. Because so he no must have got arrested. He got arrested and he yeah. was okay. He, he was arrested. He was uh, interrogated. They let him out. When I was on the way to my hotel next day, he um, called me. I asked him, have they asked about me? You know, that other person that you have pictures of on your camera. He still has a picture of me climbing on that shuttle that I never got. It's just, ugh. but anyway, uh, so he said no. So in that moment, I knew that he was lying to me. So I needed to get to my hotel first and I needed to uh, check out and find myself a new hotel because I had the feeling that they may be coming with him. Because how can they not ask about the other person? He had evidence all over his phone and all over his camera that there was another person with him. And yeah, this was the last time we talked. Where has been the most awe-inspiring view you've ever seen? I think, yeah, I, 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 I ran the risk of repeating myself, but I think maybe that standing on top of that building in Chernobyl, in Pripyat, was, that was absolutely insane. I have um, tried to do some rooftoping because um, under the umbrella of urban exploration is like exploring cities, exploring different parts of the cities, but there's something called urbex, which is just exploring abandoned places. That's what I do. Uh, There is also uh, exploring tunnels and drains, but also there's thing called rooftoping where people go on top. They try to go on top of the tallest buildings in the city and sometimes they sit on the edge and just see the view of the whole city. So I have done a couple of those. I'm, I'm really not great with that because the, the something about the heights is just like, I just imagine falling down. <laughs> so I would just go and like stay for five seconds and I would come back. But yeah, so I was, I was um, on some of the really, really tall buildings in Shanghai and seeing... That was absolutely incredible. Shanghai is such an amazing city. And the buildings are just covered with... It, it felt like a city in the skies because the clouds, the, the buildings would be sometimes taller than the clouds. Where are you now? Which city are you in now? I moved to Beijing. Um, and the reason I moved to Beijing because I got a little bit in trouble with my employer <laughs> for what I do. 
<laughs> I mean, essentially, that's kind of what happens. Like at, at some point, they find out, and I think like when, when the Instagram comes out and uh, people find out, it's just a little bit. But it, it's obviously it's not great where uh, when you have holidays and your in, employer gets informed by the police station that oh, can you come? <laughs> and collect your employee from the police station because he broke into uh, the abandoned hotel that actually was sold. And I didn't know this because I climbed through the third floor on the window and I didn't know they, they sold this hotel and there was like five security guards on the first floor. And yeah. So yeah. You know, I was, I was going to ask you actually, I was going to ask you, where do you find the money for this? But you actually have a day job, do you? Oh yeah. I do, I do. I teach math. <laughs> You're the coolest I, math teacher on the planet. Seriously. I, I teach calculus, yes. And, <laughs> um, and, and because of this, I have the Western holidays. I teach international schools. So I have the Western holidays and Chinese holidays. And being a teacher, you have quite a few of those. And China is really the most comfortable. Um, I have, I'm having the most comfortable life over here. So traveling uh, in China has been really amazing. And what I discovered about China is that China is like land of urbex. It's like a, it's like a gold mine for urbex. They have somehow, it's a bit of an irony, but they have this like a freedom when it comes to the architecture, expressing themselves with architecture. And there's a lot of people that came to big fortunes in China. And a lot of those people have a crazy idea to build some crazy thing in the middle of nowhere, thinking that this would be like a big new thing. And then Little did they know, obviously no one visits there because who would travel so far to visit certain place and that place becomes abandoned and I come in and I explore it. So yeah, two, China has been really great. Two more questions. Give me the, well, two more questions before I ask you my last question. Give me a top uh, five of your other destinations, obviously not including the ones we've, we've covered already. Just give me a little top five or your favorite photos or your favorite destinations. Right. So, okay. So there is uh, definitely the Chinese Chinese space rocket that I discovered. Uh, there was um, some developer built, uh, um, not built, bought that. I had no idea how this happens, like in China. But then the development failed and the rocket is still there, rusting away. So that was insane. So again, like I said, anything space related, I absolutely love it. There was some uh, space theme theme parks in China that had like a replic replicas of different space shuttles. So I love those. So there are a bunch of abandoned theme parks. I've done so many theme parks in China. I don't know what happened in this country about the theme parks, water park, indoor, um, in, indoor, outdoor. Um, I had to dedicate my my first installment of my book is just dedicated to theme parks because that's just, just crazy i don't think we've got any abandoned theme parks here in the uk i can't imagine having you know scores or hundreds of them oh well yeah, yeah there is some there is some but oh, no, is there? yeah yeah in in europe there is some but they're not as popular as here um what else have i done there is that uh, there is a place uh, south of china where there is a temple abandoned temple when the local people pushed the statue of the Buddha as a protest to with the local government because the, the land deal between the government and the local people didn't go through. 
So as a protest, they pushed this Buddha to, to the floor, and that's um, absolutely insane occasion. I have been to this one temple in the mountains. China has a lot of mountains here. I'm now in Beijing, and it's like maybe two hours from where I live. There is this temple in the mountains where they close the road because it's very dangerous. The, the, the mountain is unstable. It's very windy there, and there's a lot of rocks falling down. So they actually, um, someone bought this temple thinking that maybe they would open something to public. It has a really cool story with like ancient, some dynasty and some emperor trying to be assassinated. But um, because they, they, I think they didn't have enough money to go through this development uh, and they actually didn't have like enough sources to clean the road. They had to close the, close the gate and, uh, there's only one way to this to this so we had to wake up at 3 a.m in the morning go there at arrived at about like four or like between four or five in the morning and just climb the mountains in complete darkness to avoid the sleep the, the security man who's sleeping on the site at the bottom of the mountain and then climb all the way to the to the top but there's something about exploring in the morning and just like by 8 a.m being done with it and it's like where everyone else is waking up, you just already achieved so much. And there's this like, this so fulfilling, this, this, uh, this feeling that you've done so much already and it's still early and this whole day, I have a still whole day to do something else. Yeah. So there was, there was a lot, there was a lot of um, little places like that all around China that I've done. Where would you um, like to go that you haven't been in another country in the world? I would love to go to Japan. I um to maybe give you an idea of what kind of person I am. I um in order to drive in Japan, you have to I have a British passport and British driving license. So for British people to to drive in um in Japan, you have to have a very special international driving license like specific for Japan that you can only get at the post office. You cannot get this online. I only found out about this when I went to Japan because I had my international driving license. But uh, when I went to Japan, I fly there because I was living in Qingdao, which is a coastal city in, in China. I only two hours flight to Japan, to Osaka. And I arrived there and I tried to book a car. Everything was, you know, paid in advance. And they say that they don't accept this because, you know, they, they, the rules, like Japanese people just like follow the rules, follow the rules. And um, they wouldn't accept, they wouldn't rent me the car. So I went to another place, another place, another place. I think I tried five or six places at the airport and no one would rent me a car. So I didn't know what to do because I never know what to do. I don't know. I don't do anything else. So I just booked the flight tickets and went home. I spent, you know, <laughs> I spent like seven or eight hours in Japan at the airport. My friends you were can... like, are you insane? Would you just go to Osaka and explore the city like, don't you know me could you what not go I to do? a museum or a restaurant or an art gallery or anything like that no 
No, I just okay. If I'm <laughs> if I'm with if look if I'm with someone else who is a normal person, and they would want to do this, I would go with them, and I actually prefer this because like they know what to order at the restaurant, they know what to go, and I just follow them and I do those <laughs> regular things. But when I'm by myself, it's like. I, I really don't do, I don't do any other travel since Chernobyl. I have never been on holidays where I just done like be on the beach and lying in the sand. I, I've never done that. I only go exploring <laughs> and it's not glamorous. It's like you, you see the, you see the pictures on Instagram. You see the last five minutes of this whole day <laughs> traveling traveling, going from mud, climbing fences, barbed wire fences, something cutting yourself. And then I have this friend who is super rich, but when she travels with me, we stay in like the worst hotels, eat McDonald's, and she just loves that because it taps into like this little bit like it's so different her life. But she still wear, wears like Gucci shoes and back <laughs> when she goes exploring, it gets that dirty. But I don't need a fancy hotel. I just need, is there a bed? Is there a shower? Because all I'm going to do is finish exploring, take a shower, order some food and go to sleep because I'm so tired. Wake up next day really early in the morning and then do it all over again. I'm going to ask you my last question now. My last question is always about music. I know you're not a normal person, mm. but you're a, a very good non-normal person. Uh, I don't know whether you listen to music. Obviously, when you're sneaking into various hangars in the middle of deserts and things, you can't be playing something on your, uh, on your phone. Oh, but yeah. My last question is always about music. To, to me, to many normal people, uh, music and travel yeah. go hand in hand. And okay. I'm going to ask you to choose one song that reminds you of a memorable time and place of travel. What is that song and what, is the, uh, what was the situation? Well, I, would, I, I, I cannot say that there is like a song that would remind me specifically about the place, but I would have to say that maybe I can answer that question in that way that um i really like johnny cash and the when the man when the man walks around that song of false and blues i those tunes whenever i'm in a car because I, I i spend a lot of time in a car so i would listen to those kind of like this i have this soundtrack with those kind of old type of jazzy blues kind of kind of music um yeah i love i love those I, i'm not sure if i answer your question but yeah have you ever been into a prison? Johnny Cash makes me think of prison. So have you ever been into a prison? Funny enough, I have not. I have not been like in a prison as a being arrested and thrown into prison. No, I meant no. an abandoned ones. No, but and, either and, or actually. And, and, also, and also I have not been in in abandoned prison. I have never been to abandoned prison, which is really surprising. You need to find that. I, you heard it here. Say yeah, Lisa from the Big Travel Podcast. If you get arrested, yeah. just say Lisa from the Big Travel Podcast said I needed to find an abandoned prison. They'll just let you exactly. off. Don't worry. <laughs> well, thank you yeah. so much for coming on the Big Travel Podcast. Awesome. Yeah. I thank you for having me. That was like really spontaneous today, I would say. But really it spontaneous. Well, I certainly look forward to Greg's adventures. And if he ever spends more than eight, nine hours in Japan, I'm sure it'll be a good story. Thank you so much for listening to the Big Travel Podcast. Podcast.